Hello and welcome to the Let It Matter podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Wolf. Here at Let It Matter, we seek to make space for and honor what matters to us as individuals, as communities, and as beloved children of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 to cast our cares on God because God cares for us. That tells me that God cares about what we care about. In their song of the same title, the group Johnny Swim offers this invitation. If it matters, let it matter. So that's what we're going to do. I invite you to join me for the next 30 to 45 minutes as we make space for, honor, celebrate, or lament, and as we name, what matters. Hello, 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 and welcome. I am excited that you are here. I'm excited that you uh, continue to return to the Let It Matter podcast week after week. I'm so thankful for that, and I welcome you and invite you uh, into this space. You, um, This is why I do this. You are why I do this. So thank you for joining me. Today on the Let It Matter podcast, I am um, joined in conversation by licensed professional counselor, associate, and certified sex therapist, Michelle Maurer, to talk all about who sex therapy is for, and I'll give you a hint, it's any and everyone, and you'll see why, and how sex therapy can help in all kinds of circumstances, life seasons, and situations. I want to give you a quick note, especially if you are single, if you are currently celibate, or if you are celibate um, for vocational, you know, devotional reasons, or if you are just currently not having sex um, in this season of life, if you haven't had sex ever, um, if you are not in a relationship, this episode is still for you. There is so much good gold in this episode um, that Michelle shares with us. And so I want to invite you, please don't skip this one unless it is, of course, um, you know, triggering or anything for you. But I know that you will benefit from the resources that Michelle shares with us uh, in this in this time together. And so obviously, um, if you can't tell from what I've already said, parents, if you are listening to this with littles around you, um, you might listen to this first by yourself and then decide who it's age appropriate for. Um, and so I just wanted to give that little content warning. Before we dive in, if this podcast has been a blessing or a resource in your life, would you consider taking just a moment to pause this episode before we dive in and do as many of these things as possible? Uh, First, make sure you are subscribed or following the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening in Apple, leaving a rating and a review matters so much and would be so appreciated. Make sure you're also following the show on Instagram at Let It Matter Podcast and or on Twitter at Let It Matter Pod. All of these things are really vital um, to the growth, the guests, and the goodness of this podcast going forward. And your support just does mean the world to me, and I'm, I'm very thankful for it. Let me introduce today's guest to you, as you may not be familiar with her yet. Michelle Maurer is a licensed professional counselor associate, a licensed marriage and family therapist associate, and a certified sex therapist. As a marriage and family therapist, she observes 
interpersonal dynamics and assists couples and families to create unique relationships that work for them. Michelle uses a sex-positive approach with clients to address sexual concerns and facilitate a deeper understanding and acceptance of, one, of an individual's sexuality. She uses narrative, existential, and solution-focused therapeutic processes, which are tailored to each individual, couple, or family. Michelle is certified in both Levels 1 and 2 of the Gottman Institute's Method Couples Therapy, she is a national certified counselor, a member of the Texas Counselor Association, and the Texas Association of Marriage and Family Counselors. She's currently pursuing a PhD in counselor education at Sam Houston University. Um, for those who also don't know, Michelle is part of the practice that my personal therapist um, founded and, and works at, Jamie Williams. I have shared uh, a few episodes Jamie has joined me for. Um, I encourage you, if you missed those, go back in the podcast feed. They were both um, bonus episodes, so they'll be in the bonus section of the feed. Um, but one was on how to return to felt safety in your body after being triggered. Uh, and the other was on how to establish and insist upon uh, and enforce boundaries that empower us. And Jamie's just wonderful. Um, and so in one of our conversations, she mentioned that there was a certified sex therapist in her office. And um, I asked her to connect me with Michelle, and I'm so glad she did. Um, and so... Uh, I just, I always, one of the things that I take the most joy in, in this sort of podcast host, uh, producer role that I, that I'm in here is to, um, is to put more women, bring more women to the table, put more women in front of you, uh, more wise voices, more educated voices, more, um, you know, just people that you may not have heard of and to bring them into the conversation to resource you. Um, and, and so I'm thrilled to get to do that with Michelle today. Okay, let's dive in. Okay, Michelle Maurer, thank you so much for joining me on the Let It Matter podcast today. I'm so thrilled to have you here. I'm excited to be here. So I want to start with, I've sort of given your bio at this point in the episode so people are aware kind of what we're going to be talking about gave a little bit of um, a content warning as well. Um, just if people have littles around them, they might want to listen to this by themselves first um, and <laughs> let them decide. Um, I want to start with just sort of as a sex therapist, what is the difference between um, seeking out like a regular therapist with whom you sometimes talk about sex stuff and a sex therapist? And then I also know there's a, a branch of of uh, of sex therapy called sexological body work. So I was going to see if you could sort of talk about um, the differences and what someone might find in each of those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the difference between, I'll start with the, just a regular therapist and the sex therapist. Yeah. Any therapist really could talk about sex or anything sexually related. Mm -hmm. um, the difference with a sex therapist is that I'm specifically trained to talk about anything and everything. And a lot of times what clients need is that permission to bring up anything. And so even just the, 
designation that I am a sex therapist. Mm -hmm. It opens the door for a lot of people to just feel more comfortable and to know that they're not going to shock me or be nervous to talk about. Don't worry about saying like, oh, this is graphic or I hope that's okay, you know, or whatever. Yeah. No, like this is TMI or can I talk to you about this or, um, and you know, some therapists really are uncomfortable. They can Mm -hmm. be uncomfortable talking about sex. And so it really is just, um, one of the main things is is that it allows permission for the client. And then also I've been through extensive training to understand the, a lot of different models of how to help people, how to work through sexual concerns, how to um, just be aware of a lot of different things that could come up. One of the trainings that I go through at the very beginning of the sex therapy training is called a SAR, S-A-R, and it's a sexual attitude reassessment. And it is, it's two-day extensive anything and everything related to sexuality, just being introduced, talking about it, watching things, listening to things so that when a client is sitting in front of me telling me something, I'm not shocked. So I've oh. pretty much seen it all. <laughs> like decent dissertation. Yeah. Yes. Pretty. Yeah. Because I, you know, I never want to have a client think that I am judging them or shocked yeah. or have like that you've heard them. everything and then theirs is the thing that that shocks you or something right right yeah. yep yeah so that's that's one of the the first parts of the training that actually okay. is the first part of the training that's so, great yeah. um can you talk a little bit more about the training like what types of um I mean I know obviously that's on top of all of the training that you get as a as an LPC or as a, as a licensed professional counselor, or in your case, you also did um, licensed marriage and family uh, therapist licensure as well. And so um, can you talk a little bit about what the specifics of uh, being a certified sex therapist, uh, what some more of those specifics are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you have the, the regular master's degree to get the, mm-hmm. the counseling license. And then the sex therapy training is on top of that. So after you have graduated and are working, you go back and do more training. Mm-hmm. So the program, <laughs> yeah, it's just more extra, always extra. <laughs> yeah. Um, the program itself, there's a couple of different programs that people could go through. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I went through is here in Houston and it, um, it was a year-long training where we had that SAR that I talked about at the beginning. And then for four months, we met and had 60 hours of, of courses. Um, and then a year of meeting with a supervisor weekly to, to just have that extra um, check, I guess, to make sure that you know what you're doing and are on the right track. And then um, having 250 hours of client time with sex therapy while you're getting the supervision during that year. Okay. So it's, it's just a lot of extra, the, the courses, the coursework at the beginning goes over Uh different topics um, and then different ways to work with clients. And then, then you practice and do it. And. Okay. And so. Uh, and so then sexological body work. And the reason I'm asking about that is, um, you know, uh, uh, I guess it was a year or two ago now, um, 
Netflix put out a documentary called Sex, Love, and Goop that mm-hmm. was Gwyneth Paltrow's, you know, the Goop Lab that they specifically did a series about uh, sex. And within that, uh, a couple of the therapists that were working with these couples were sexological body workers. And so um, I am curious how that differs also from sex therapy. Yeah, absolutely. Um so sexological body work will be hands-on and you can actually like do some exercises or practice a technique or something with the client. Sex okay. therapy is all talk therapy. So there is no, there is no body work. There is no in the office. Let's try something. I see. Um, I see. So it, it really is more about the beliefs and the mindset and what's mm-hmm. going on for you. Um, related to sex and sexuality as opposed to let's look at your body and how does it respond okay okay that makes sense um the this is an interesting topic for, for me to be asking you about but the um primary narrative i think about sex therapy is that it's for couples Um, Mm -hmm. and so I am curious if you can share ways that sex therapy can help singles, um, virgins, people who Mm -hmm. are divorced or widowed, people who have never been married, but they are experienced with sex. Um, in addition to couples, if you can just sort of talk through some various, those various sort of demographics and how, and if sex therapy is for them and how it can help. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, sex therapy, I love working with individuals, even if it is an individual within a couple or not mm-hmm. in a couple, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter, but every single person is a sexual being mm-hmm. and every single person has a sexual history and that history could be no experience, but they have messages and beliefs and things that they heard about or things that they watched or, um, just, we all have influences in our past and so many times we don't even realize what's coming up for us. Mm-hmm. And so whether you're single or in a couple or at any stage of life, whatever it is, sexuality will be part of your life mm-hmm. at some point. Um, even asexuality even is, even, mm-hmm. is a, is a sexual orient or a sexual, um, I guess, orientation, a sexual identity and, um, and I, I always want to mention that I have a, a few friends that are asexual and that are listeners of this podcast. And um, and I always want to just make sure to say that when talking about sex it, that or when we say everyone is a sexual being, that that is still a sexuality and um, and that that is good and right and perfectly valid. Right. Absolutely. And that is is a lot of what sex therapy is, is learning who you are and and um, getting to know yourself better and accepting that part of you. Because, mm-hmm. like, yes, there's a whole spectrum, um, and everyone, whatever your sexuality is, is is good and valid for you. Yeah. And so, a lot of times, people need some help working through that and mm-hmm. really discovering who they are and embracing that and asexuality yeah. for sure. So that's one way would be, regardless of your marital status or or previous marital status, would be helping to discover and sort of drill down into what is your sexual identity or your sexual preferences, um, just to sort of put some more like flesh on it. What, pun intended, um, what 
uh, what, so what are some other ways? Like, so for example, for people who are virgins, people, or I actually hate that word. I don't know why I keep using it. People who have never had sex, um, (laughs) or, um, uh, or somebody who, um, is not sexually active right now. What are some other like specifics? If you could say like, what are some things that you might be, you might be talking about with a client who's in, in that specific boat? Hmm. So someone who has is not sexually active and has not been will still have thoughts about it or or just understanding, well, what is it that you want your sexual life to look like? What is important to you? Um, and a lot of messages that we received growing up, whether that's from families or religion or school or friends, you know, we get messages about sexuality mm-hmm. everywhere. And so breaking that apart and understanding it and... Mm-hmm learning what it is you're looking for and what is important to you is it makes you so much better prepared for anything that does come along. Yeah. So would that be things like, um, what feels good to you or what turns you on or masturbation, or would that be things like consent? Uh, Yeah. More. So there's a, um, a guy, his name's Doug Ron Harvey. He does a lot of work. Um, he's a therapist, a sex therapist. Mm-hmm. And his work, he's come up with the six principles of sexual health. And I love these principles because they apply to anyone and everyone, regardless of identity, beliefs, um, stage of life, anything like that. Okay. Um, and so I often use his principles as a framework because it's so, um, it applies to everybody. Okay. So the first, the first one, I'll just kind of go through them. Yeah, please. We can talk about it. Is that okay? Please. Yeah. So yeah, the first one is consent, um, which is so important. Any, anything sexual, if there is not consent, then it's not okay. Period. So learning about consent, what it means to ask for consent, what it means to give consent, how that whole dynamic works is the very first thing for people to to talk about. So I do talk a lot with my clients about consent. And and even just sometimes people are like, well, I don't know how to ask or how do you do mm-hmm. that? And people are nervous about it. So yeah. having having a place that they can have that conversation yeah. is so important. One of the things I, I just really quickly, and then we'll get back to the circles, um, have heard from, I used to also co-host um, a podcast about specifically about leaving behind purity culture and sort of discovering, disentangling the messaging and the, you know, uh, yeah. where do we, it's called, where do we go from here? So like sort of rebuilding into what we want to make of it ourselves. Um, and the, and I just used to hear a lot from people, um, about that it wasn't the initial time of consent. That was the issue. It was the ongoing or enthusiastic consent Mm -hmm. and so like for it was a lot of women saying that like once they were in the situation and it was something they were uncomfortable with that was being asked or that was being done or um another step that that was the part where they felt like I didn't feel equipped to then assert a different answer because I had already given an answer and then what was happening was not within their consent but they felt like it was, you know what I mean? They, so they were sort of trying to disentangle, you know, was this against my will? Was this not consent? Was this, you know, um, mm-hmm. so would that be something that maybe sex yes, therapy absolutely. could help with as well? 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, being able to work through situations like that, if yeah. you were in an experience where you were like, that was not consensual. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to prepare and understand what it means to ask for consent and ongoing consent and that, yeah. like you said, enthusiastic consent. Yeah. Um, and then also even just talking about, you know, how, how do you say no when it, when it's not something that you are interested in? That's valuable. That, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. It is. It is because everybody thinks like, of course you just say no, but in the moment it can be so awkward and so mm-hmm. uncomfortable or so like you can feel, especially if there's power dynamics at play or there's um, alcohol at play or something like that. Like there can be so many yeah. obstacles to your, to saying a clear no or to feeling comfortable saying no. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's really Talking valuable. about it. Yeah. Preparing and, and knowing what to say really helps people be prepared for any situation. That they that's great. Might encounter. Yeah. Okay. So next circle or sorry. Next, okay. So um, the next principle principle. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it kind of relates and you, you mentioned the power dynamic, but the second mm-hmm. one is non-exploitative. Um, okay. So really that means being aware of what are the power dynamics here? Mm. Is someone being taken advantage? Mm. Is there full disclosure of anything that could influence that person's decision? Mm. Um, really, is this something that both or all people are choosing of their own free will. Fully like informed. No one's being fully informed. Yeah. Um, yeah. No exploitation of any kind going on. That's wonderful. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, then the third one is protection from STIs and unintended pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, you know, being aware, having, being able to have that conversation with someone yeah. about safe sex and, mm-hmm what is our plan and what are, what are we doing? And not just having it be one person's responsibility. Mm-hmm. What is any, and awareness, like what is that other person's sexual history, their sexual health? Yeah. What does it look like? Um, so that's very important foundation yeah. as well. And I wonder also, I mean, about like destigmatizing because for people who have had STIs, you know, mm-hmm. there's this language like on dating apps or something like, being clean or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be such shameful language. Um, and so it almost even goes back to the non-exploitative that like, have you just had a full conversation about what this looks like and then how we're going to be safe um, mm-hmm. as best we can rather than finding out afterwards or it being uh, manipulated without being told the full bit of information or, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um so that's, I, if I'm just thinking like saying to listeners, if I was single or if I was dating particularly, especially if you're on apps where like mm-hmm. a lot of the conversation, it doesn't lend itself to like depth right away. Right, right. No, not right away. Yeah. You have to, you have to build on that. You right? have to build on that. And sometimes mm-hmm. they're not willing to build. Sometimes, you know, it depends on how quickly things move to meeting in person, but, um, but that can be something that's, like it's assumed and, or it's assumed that somebody will tell you if it is the Mm -hmm. case, uh, and then moved on from and, or, you know, not even addressed. So, um, so sex therapy might be something that if you're dating, uh, or considering dating, that that might be something to help prepare you for those conversations uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because, taking ownership, really what this is about is taking ownership of your sexuality and mm-hmm. 
and knowing how to ask these questions and how to have the conversations and that they're important to have. Mm, Yeah. Okay. The next one. Okay. Number four is honesty. Um, So these kind of all like, you know, link to each other a little bit. Um, and, and this can apply in so many different ways. Um, mm-hmm. It can be, like you said, with the dating apps, right? Like being yeah. honest about what, you know, what um, information you give to people. Mm-hmm. It can also be honest about, you know, if you're in a committed relationship, are you being mm-hmm. honest, keeping your commitments? Mm-hmm. Um, are you honest in expressing your desires? Do you talk with your partner and tell them, actually, I don't like that? Or yeah. can you tell them what you do like? Being able to really be genuine and authentic and honest in those conversations that you have is, is a vital part. It is. And again, I'm thinking about like, especially in, in dating where, you know, if you're in a longer term or a more committed relationship, there's a level of trust that's been built, hopefully, Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least, um, you know, you may be attempting to rebuild, uh, mm-hmm. if something has been broken, but, um, but in those like more casual encounters with casual dating and sex, um, that trust isn't there yet. And so the ability to be vulnerable and say, mm-hmm. this is what I like, this is what I don't like. I want, th- I want you to do this. Hey, I'm not comfortable with that. I also think particularly, I imagine for people who have been divorced or widowed um, or people who have sexual trauma of any kind that like, especially those conversations that can become really tender because they they come with memories or wounds or um, don't do this thing that my ex-husband used to do or, you know, something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, And so that sounds like it would be really valuable, valuable for that. I mean, for anybody, but for that group, particularly where, uh, where trust has to really be in place. And then, so it depends on the the context you're coming from, but yeah. uh, Absolutely. And, and having that space, like a, a sex therapist who is able to talk any of those things through with you about, yeah. you know, what's happened, what's your experience, what is it that you don't want to have happen or what you mm-hmm. do and being able to really understand yourself first sets you up for success Yeah, to be able to go into those situations and share with the partner or share with some, someone that you have just met, the things that are important to you. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, was that the, I don't remember how many. That was number four. You said there were. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Number four. Uh-huh. Okay. So there's six. So there's six total. So the next one, number five is shared values. Okay. And this is where um, the meaning of sex comes in, the motivation, and um, People have different beliefs about what they would think is okay, what is mm-hmm. not okay. This could come down to when someone chooses to have sex or how or so many different yeah. questions can come into this one. So it's values like the underlying motivations or the reasons or the definitions. That's what you're mm-hmm. saying? Like, yeah, and like just what is able- sex to somebody? That's a huge question. <laughs> right. Right. And so anyone that you choose to engage with sexually, being able to have that conversation, to know what your values are Mm -hmm. and be able to converse with them and um, make sure that that you're on a similar value page. Right. Not everyone has to be the exact same, but you do want to know where the other person's coming from and where you're coming from to to make clear choices. Yeah. And I I think... um... 
even though you just, I mean, you just mentioned this as well to know your values first. So that doesn't, you don't have to be mm-hmm. partnered or considering partnered sex for that to know your mm-hmm. own sexual values is an extremely valuable process to sort of tease out for yourself. And I've done um, a, a couple of episodes on, on developing sexual ethics. I'll link to those in the show notes so people can circle back to those if they want to. But, mm-hmm. um, but that's something that you could, you know, like, uh, in those episodes, we, we sort of gave the outlines. They, um, one of them is Erica Smith. She's a sex therapist and, uh, she talked about, or a sex educator. She talked about, um, the five circles of sexuality. Are you familiar with? Mm, yeah. Vaguely. Yes. With that. Mm-hmm. So we went through those in that episode. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I was thinking a lot during that episode, she has some workbooks and stuff. And I thought, man, how beneficial would this be to go through this with a therapist? Because right. Because sometimes you don't even know what you don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yes, yeah. exactly. And so a, a sex therapist has that framework and has, yeah. like, we're going to touch on all of these areas and, mm. and has that structure already in place. Okay. That's great. Okay. Last um, and also, I did want to add, too, uh, oh, you had mentioned purity culture earlier. And uh-huh. I think this is one where it comes, it has yeah. a big effect as well, right? Like, just what was what were the messages mm-hmm. that you received? What yeah. were you taught? And is it what you believe now? Right. Because yeah. things can shift. Is this your belief? Is it a belief that was given to you? Is it a belief that does it come from shame? Does it come from fear? Yeah. Does it come from like deep inside your, your core belief? Yeah. Um, so kind of just figuring that out for yourself. is. And I imagine, I mean, like what a involved process because there's still things that I find like years after leaving my conservative environments that I'm like oh I had no idea this touched that but it does mm-hmm. um and I want to talk a little bit more about sort of um purity culture and religious beliefs and certainly high control religious environments mm-hmm. um in a second but but so that would fall under that window of yeah. shared values for sure yes yeah okay um, so then the last one of the six principles is mutual pleasure. And that really is meaning like I'm give out. and take. <laughs> is this satisfying for all or both or whoever's involved? Or is yeah. this a one-way street? You know, is this an experience that yeah. everyone is benefiting from? Yeah. Um, and and if it's a one-way yeah. street, are you okay with that? And if you are, why? <laughs> Right. Is everything okay? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Being real and honest about what is it that you're experiencing? What's happening? Yeah. 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 Okay. That's great. Um, I, I appreciate that. And so obviously, I mean, you can see the ways that all of those would affect, um, committed couples, married couples, people who are in long-term relationships. Um, but I can, I can see as we were talking, like how, you know, how understanding my own pleasure, my own, even my values about pleasure and about, mm-hmm. um, sex and what I believe sex is and how far is too far for me. And what am I mm-hmm. comfortable with? And all of those things, um, that sex therapy could really help. Even if you're not having partner sex, if you're not dating, if you're divorced and you're not ready to be dating yet or widowed and, mm-hmm. um, if you are yeah. in menopause or if you're young, you know, whatever it may be. Yep. That's why I love this model so much because it applies to every single person, regardless yeah. of stage of life, sexual identity, values, anything. It's something that everybody mm-hmm. 
um, has experience with, yeah. has thoughts about, um, could benefit from, from um, working through. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, and so you just mentioned purity culture, this, uh, in this sort of little section of time, I do want to talk, maybe drill down more deeper or, or broader into ways that sex therapy can help those of us who have grown up in purity culture or mm-hmm. other conservative Uh, religious environments. It doesn't have to be Christian ones, but other conservative religious environments where we received little to no sex education. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also on top of that, really harmful messaging about sex and sexuality and bodies and gender and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, safety and consent and patriarchy. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) All the things. So many things to to go through there, right? So many layers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, so if you could just talk about that, I would, I would love to, to know specifically, you know, because I talked to Jamie before she came on, uh, mm-hmm. for those who don't know, Michelle is, um, in the same practice as Jamie, my personal therapist who I've had on the show a few times. Um, and we have talked about how therapy can help after purity culture in terms of uh, like wounds or trauma or, um, uh, just how we understand ourselves and the ways we were taught to distrust ourselves and our bodies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for specifically from a sex uh, therapy lens, I'd love to hear mm-hmm. from you. What, what, what are some ways you've seen? What are some things you've seen present in your practice? Obviously no names, but um, yeah. generic stories and stuff would be really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the biggest things that comes up with, um, you know, a purity culture kind of upbringing and background is a lot of sexual shame. Mm-hmm. A lot of, you know, a lot of times when you're growing up and you're taught these messages, there is shame used to almost scare you or to yeah. make you think that like this is very serious. Yeah, and to control. To It's to control, yeah. Yeah. And so even if you are trying to figure out what you believe about sex and what Mm -hmm. your values are, you're going to have this shame surface and really working through, is this shame something that is coming from you because you have a value here? Or is this something that Mm -hmm. comes from someone else that you didn't ask for? And it's a message that was given to you, but is not no longer serving you. When you say because you have a value here, do you mean like um, that you have consented to or you've or you've pursued things that actually don't line up with your own personal moral compass, um, mm-hmm. whether that's casual sex for somebody or um, or uh, polygamy or uh, polyamory? I mean, if it's um, uh, I don't know, dating, holding hands, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever absolutely. it may be. Yeah, absolutely. We can use just at uh, what point in a relationship do you want to have sex? Like that could mm-hmm. be a very okay. basic question, right? Okay. And yeah. purity culture is going to tell you after marriage, right? Like you wait till marriage. That is when it is sanctioned to have sex. And so you might be dating someone and, and want to have sex, but feel that shame come up and mm-hmm. working through, is this because I truly value waiting Mm. until after marriage or is this this shame coming up that was used to control me and maybe I think something different but Mm -hmm. I've never been given that space to really ask myself those questions I like that and uh, one of the things that was really valuable to me in um 
as I was sort of reevaluating a whole bunch of other aspects of my faith was Mm -hmm. it when thinking about sex and sexual ethics and sexuality was like just saying, I don't know. And so Mm -hmm. for our whole lives, um, you know, we were taught like you had to know, here's the, here's the company answer. Here's the company line. Um, it's no, it's no, it's no, it's no until it's yes. And it's yes. Only when you're straight and married and, uh, sometimes other things attached to that. And, um, and so for me to be like, I'm evaluating a whole bunch of things about scripture. I haven't gotten to sex yet. So I don't mm-hmm. know where I'm at on how I believe about when, when sexuality and sex and all those things, what is the Bible actually talking about? How much weight do I give this aspect of the scripture? You know, stuff like that. Right. It's okay to not know that yet. Um, and then to like trial and error or to find out as you go or to hold off until you know, I mean, whatever your, your moral compass says, but that you're gonna, one of the things that I think I found was that I, sometimes you learn where, where your values are when you've trespassed them. (laughs) Right. You've crossed a a line that you want to hold for yourself and you realize I'm not comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I appreciated you, you making that statement about like, is that, where is this shame coming from? And so something like that with sex therapy, you would be able to tease out where, what's the source of this shame? What, where is it coming from and what's the messaging behind it? Yeah. And really, I guess the question would be, is this shame or is this Mm. my personal value that I've crossed? Yeah. Because you could confuse the two. Mm -hmm. And if it is a personal value of yours, then it's part of your sexuality and you want to incorporate that. If it's shame, it's not helpful and it's going to create so many more issues for you. And as, I mean, I, I, we have discussed this and I, I don't ask or expect you to talk about um, any sort of, of your own religious beliefs, but I will just say that shame is not of God. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, and so if it is the voice of shame speaking to you rather than maybe a sweeter, like a conviction or just a realization or a adjustment internally being made, um, I would, I would venture to say that that's that's probably harmful messaging. That's probably controlling messaging mm-hmm. coming up um, or, or your response to a, a, a personal value being shame needs to be teased out. In therapy, Absolutely. You know? Yes, yeah. for sure. Um, along those lines, similarly too, it's important to remember and recognize that being uncomfortable mm-hmm. doesn't mean wrong. Sometimes mm. people can equate uncomfortable with, you know, if you do come from a religious background, like the spirit telling you this is wrong mm-hmm. or feeling like you are sinning or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, it could, right? There's a possibility if that's a value that you could, that could mean that. But it also mm. can mean uncomfortable is something that's new. When you mm. haven't tried anything, like if you're public speaking for the first time, you're going to yeah. be uncomfortable. doesn't mean it's a wrong or a bad thing. It's mm. a new thing. And so... Working That's helpful. through those feelings as well yeah. is so important because a lot of times if you are from a conservative background and you have ideas of sexuality and mm-hmm. a lot of times it's a very narrow, um, acceptable, what's acceptable. Right. And if you right. venture out, you're probably going to feel a little uncomfortable. And I would imagine even for married people where the permission is already check yes mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the messaging you received. 
Um, but maybe, I mean, I have, I have a, a friend, a girl I know that spent her wedding night in the ER with mm-hmm. a panic attack because mm-hmm. she couldn't, she couldn't flip the switch. Right. It's wrong. It it's is. wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong to this is great. Now you can go ahead. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. It's um, very confusing. And so even I would imagine with married couples, when there's novelty being introduced, mm-hmm. something like toys or something like um, mutual masturbation, you know, something other mm-hmm. than just like sort of your standard missionary sexual experience, um, right. it may be that discomfort that I could see how that would apply even in, in that space, not just like it's a new person or um, yeah. that you're having sex the first time, but even within couples who've been yes. together a long time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Everyone could feel uncomfortable at times and just being able to be honest with yourself and take yeah. that space of where is this coming from? Mm. Because it might be something that you don't want to incorporate and that's okay if that's yeah. really in your value system. But if it is just new and coming from shame, mm-hmm. then it is to your advantage to work through that. So how would you, so uh, still in this sort of imagining you've got somebody in your office who grew up in purity culture, true love waits, like his dating goodbye, all of those mm-hmm. um, sort of cultural, subcultural milestones. Um what does work through it look like? How do you, mm-hmm. how do you work through some of those things? Um, the, the harmful messaging, how do you tease them out from this is, these are my sexual ethics and these are versus this is the messages I received. Yeah. Excellent question. Um, for, for me, I challenge my clients often. Um, and I will, I will just say things like, well, who said that? Who, who mm. said that you can't do this? Who said that that's, not okay. Why are you believing that? Where does this belief come from? Um, because they'll make statements that are just, well, obviously we know that whatever it is that they're Uh doing. And I'll be like, Oh, I've never heard that. Why, why do you say that? Um, and so for them to to go, yeah, to just realize why do I believe that? Yeah. Because in our subculture, it can feel like, of course, it's obvious. Everyone says it. So that must mean it's just common knowledge and it's the way things are. And Mm -hmm. so when you have a little bit of an outside perspective, even if whatever your personal beliefs are, but just from a like scientific and, and, um, psychological and, and psychotherapy mindset to say, well, well, wait, it's not obvious. Mm-hmm. All it, like as soon as you said that, I was picturing myself having to go, oh, <laughs> like and I just sit back, <laughs> right, and having to source, oh, some guy that was my preacher at a church that I no longer go to, mm-hmm. and I don't agree with, uh, and here was some of his other harmful messaging that I can see that as harmful. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I could just, I like immediately this little scene played out in my head of when being challenged on something that I took for granted as the way things are. Yeah. So you just experienced a little bit of sex therapy. Okay, (laughs) great. Just that (laughs) moment of like, oh, and it just all plays out and you get a little understanding and something shifts inside of you. Do you know what's funny? I was just about to say, oh, my mom will be thrilled. (laughs) And so what I was literally next going to ask you is this is another thing I noticed with purity culture is that people still in their 30s and 40s are worried about what their parents will think about mm-hmm. their sex lives um, or their dating lives or uh, or whatever, unless they're married and then their parents are fine with people being like just 
you know, pervs. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the, um, how would, how does that, how do you help someone move through that of mm-hmm. like, all uh, being limiting and who you'll date because you know that your parents won't approve if you're 35 or if you're 40 um, Mm -hmm. or however old, like at what point or in what ways can you help someone in sex therapy specifically Mm -hmm. work through needing that approval or trying to protect yourself from your parents' beliefs? So Mm -hmm. does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. Um, and once again, it's all through, through like talk therapy and the methods that are the techniques that I will use is to ask them to, we work to identify what that belief is that's holding them back from dating that person or from telling their parents or that judgment that they have. And where did that come from? And where did you get that message? And, um, and then also it so helpful to then think about your parents where did they get their messages from and Mm. how what is their comfort level with sexuality Mm -hmm. because when parents are uncomfortable they pass on the discomfort to their children boy is that true Mm -hmm. either that or or the children go in the 100% 100% opposite direction, I think, to rebel. Right. Well, <laughs> and, and they pass it on because, you know, one of the things, too, is, like, what was the message you received about sexuality growing up? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. some people say, like, there was no messages. Like, it wasn't ever mentioned. Yeah. But it's, like, that's the point. That's a message. It was, that is a message. Yeah, yeah. that is, it is a big part of life, but mm. completely off topic for, you yeah. know, that person who grew up that way. That's a message. And... And so the message is like, this is something we don't talk about. It's embarrassing. It should be, mm-hmm. um, it should be not talked about or spoken about publicly or something like that. Like that, that was a lot of the messaging that I received was like, this is private. We don't talk about right. Bo- bodies are private. Periods are private. We don't talk about bodies or periods or sex or anything like that. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I, like literally on this podcast, I, I let my mom know the episodes she can listen to. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I don't care, but gird your loins because you won't Cause I'm be that happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's still, I'm 30, I'll be 36 in a few months. And that's mm-hmm. still something that I'm like hyper aware of. Um, mm-hmm. I care less now, but that's literally through years of therapy working with Jamie yeah. that I, that I'm more sort of self-actualized, I hate the word, but, um, sort of in my own skin and on my own two feet and confident in my own decision-making and who I am as a person and my own moral compass and trustworthiness Mm -hmm. and all these things that all came from therapy. And Mm -hmm. so it gave me the confidence just to say, don't listen. Otherwise Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be having the conversations. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And along those lines, I've had clients in similar situations where a lot of times parents do use their children, mm-hmm. not probably not consciously, but they use their children to manage their own emotions. So if you have a parent who is uncomfortable with sex, they are going to put that onto their child and mm. want their child to not talk about it, not bringing it up. If something is mentioned, they will shut it down. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they are uncomfortable and mm. the older you get and the more you can 
differentiate between yeah. whose responsibility is that discomfort? Is that you as the child? Is it your job to manage your parents' mm. emotional response? Or is that their job? Right. And if, easier said than done, right? Like it takes time and intention. Sure. But a lot of dynamics like that develop and people aren't aware until mm-hmm. it really gets broken down for them. And then when you add in the layer of this has something to do with whether you're going to heaven or not. Oh, for or, sure. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or whether you're the mm-hmm. right kind of Christian or you're the kind of person that I can still brag about to my friends at church, right. those kinds of things. Um, all of those layers, those social layers and subculture layers get added in. Yeah. Really nice recipe. Really nice recipe. Really quick. I was just got a few minutes left. I wanted to ask for just, if you have any practical tips for someone, regardless of whether they have had sex, have never had sex, have never even masturbated, have, uh, are in a long-term marriage. Some practical tips for discovering what we like, um, what our boundaries are or how to ask for what we want. And then if you have something specific for women, I always hear sex podcast people saying, stop, stop faking orgasms. Oh, and that's great (laughs) advice. Except what if you've been faking them and you're in the middle of a relationship? How do you stop when you've been telling the person this will get it done this whole time and -hmm. it all of a sudden stops? Now you've got a hard conversation in front of you. Or mm-hmm. you have the option to just keep faking it and widen the orgasm gap. So those are those just the last few. If you just sort of want to bullet point them or just toss them out, however you want to answer that um, would be great. Yeah, so many things I could say here. So many nuggets. Um, <laughs> I think the first, the very first step for anyone is really looking at that shame, embarrassment, guilt that comes up for you because Mm -hmm. if you are experiencing anything along those lines, you will stop yourself from learning, from exploring, Mm. from being honest with your partner. Um, Mm -hmm. So really, really that's the place to start is allowing yourself to have those kind of thought processes and conversations Mm. Maybe Um, even starting in the safety of your own mind first, where you don't even have to say mm -hmm. it yet. You could just let yourself consider it and think about it and not Mm -hmm. stop that. Okay. All right. That's good. Yeah. Um, I have, I can't remember the title at the moment, but I will send it to you and you can post it in the show notes. There is a workbook that is for kind of discovering your sexuality and, Hmm. and going through this process. And it is a self-guided um, and I've gone through it. I, I, as a sex therapist, you go through everything yourself, just to kind of like experience it, sure, sure. The, the techniques and the process. Um, and so that when you refer clients to it, you understand more. Okay. Um, but it's a really great one. That's, it's just journal prompts Yeah. and it has a couple of different activities. You can try, um, getting used to things that are more physical. A lot of this is like physical sensation, mm-hmm. not necessarily sexual. But like, sure. what water temperature do you like? Do you know what kind of massage mm. touch you like? How do you feel about having watermelon juice run down your hand? All these different things mm. that, while we might not label them directly as sexual, it's just They're how do you sensual. relate to your body. Sensual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, yeah it's that body how how do you relate with your that's so body? interesting yeah mm-hmm. I always think about that with massage that like the ability to ask for firmer or harder touch in a massage mm-hmm. is like a great practice ground for being able to say this is what I like. Can you do it a little bit different? This is, can you move it here? Can you, you know, whatever in a sexual encounter. I always think whenever I'm like, oh, that's too much. Oh, but right there. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Uh, And there's so many things that are sexual in nature that you can practice outside of a sexual um, experience. Just like you said that, but telling people what you think, telling people what you want, Mm. asking for consent. That's not of a sexual nature, but just anything, yeah. asking people how they feel about something, standing up for yourself, allowing yourself to have your own opinions. All of mm. these things that you do learn in therapy often mm-hmm. will help you in developing your sexual, your sexual health principles of what you think and want and, and believe. Yeah. Um, as far as you mentioned the, you know, someone who's been faking an orgasm yeah. and now is like, what do I do? I've been in this yes. relationship for years and here I am. Oh no. Um, you know, and I've had clients specifically with this, yeah, this specific issue, but, um, you know, it really is more of a slow process of allowing yourself to show mm-hmm. up more authentically. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times this, it stems from a people pleasing or not wanting to rock the boat, that kind mm-hmm. of mindset. And mm-hmm. so practicing that outside of the bedroom first helps you find your voice a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then gradually starting to, you know, it's okay one time if you're not going to orgasm, mm-hmm. just say not tonight mm-hmm. and and own that and you start faking less. So I wouldn't say like, oh, you need to sit so down. So you don't have to go cold turkey and, and be no. like, I'll never do it again. And he's going to think something has broken inside me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. No, I, you don't. And if that's, I mean, I'm not saying that wouldn't work if that's what someone wanted to do, but that's yeah. not how I would work with a client. I would work okay. with a client finding their voice, figuring out where they find themselves, telling something that's not true to keep mm. the other person happy. And starting at that moment of how can you be a little bit more truthful and how can you create a space that you can show up Mm. as what's That's great. I really love that. Um, Because you're right. If it's happening there, it's probably happening in other spaces as well. For Uh, sure. Either that or you're entirely compensating in that scenario because, uh, you know, you don't get a, you don't, you don't get agency or whatever anywhere else. And so your agency is to say like, I'm not going to let you take me there. I'm going to tell you mm-hmm. I did and I'm done. <laughs> you know? Right. That's a whole yeah. other thing, but yeah, yeah. That, that can absolutely be part of someone's sexual relationship too. Just the, yeah. the control of I'm not, you can't tell me what to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Woo. So, okay. and on that note, um, I yeah. have uh, one last question that I am starting to ask all of my guests. You can answer it as, Serious or a silly, short, long, however you want to. What is mattering most to you right now? Mm, what is mattering most to me? People. The people, the relationships that I have in my life that uplift me and allow me to be alive and express myself is the thing that matters the absolute most to me. I love that answer. Oh, I love that answer. That's great. Yeah. 
Okay. That was my conversation with certified sex therapist Michelle Maurer. I hope that you guys listening found that conversation as resourceful and informative as I did. Um, I sort of went into it thinking that sex therapy was for couples or for people who had experienced some type of sexual trauma. And I am just thrilled. I have all this information now. And I was, of course, thrilled to get to um, bring it to you guys. So my thanks again to Michelle for joining me today. You can find her on Instagram at Michelle Maurer. That is M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-M-O-W-E-R. Or, of course, the practice, like I said um, in the beginning, that she works at um, is at Prosperity Counseling on Instagram. I will link to all this in the show notes as well as um, tagging them in the Instagram post for this episode. Before we go, I do want to take a quick second to remind you that the Let It Matter podcast has launched our Patreon community, and we would love to have you join us there. We're just building just such a wonderful little community, little family there, and um, it's such a uh, such an enriching part of my life. And so, um, and I, I think all of our our lives, we'd love to have you there for as little as four dollars a month. Patreon partners get exclusive content like additional episodes, uncut interviews, Bible study and spiritual formation teachings, and monthly matterings, which is a private partners-only Zoom call with me that builds community as we dive deeper into recent episode topics. So to get instant access to all the partner perks, um, past and future, head over to patreon.com forward slash letitmatterpod or letitmatter.com forward slash podcast to find the link there. Join me next week as we continue to make space for, honor, and name what matters. And now, according to our tradition, as we close out, I offer you this benediction once again from uh, Shannon K. Evans' book, Feminist Prayers for My Daughter. The language has been adapted for uh, all of us as listeners and the, the prayer is called For a Shame-Free Sexual Ethic. Let's pray. O oh, marvelous liberator, to you whose rapture sustains the world, at whose right hand are pleasures forevermore, this is my prayer. May those listening know the innocence of shame-free sex. May they delight unapologetically in their bodies and in the bodies of their lover. Let them express themselves as creatures designed for physical abundance and joy. Let them have really great sex if they want it. Protect them from voices that would try to make them ashamed. Protect them from those who would downplay the importance of their pleasure Protect them from unequal intimacy. Protect them from partners who would use coercion. Protect them, O O marvelous liberator, from a sexuality that is not whole. May they possess an an integrated sexuality that brings them back to themselves. A sexuality that makes them feel fully alive and inspired. A sexuality that supports their voice 
agency and well-being. May they be like Eve and Adam in the garden, naked and unashamed. Amen.